Welcome to the Catching Up with Casey podcast, where we discover strategies for empowering educators who are inspired by a culture of collaboration. I'm Casey Watts, Instructional Impact Coach and Consultant, and I'm here to help you solve the problems that programs and products aren't solving. Welcome to episode nine of the Catching Up with Casey podcast. I am Casey Watts, your host. I am an instructional impact coach and consultant, and I have two present guests with me today and one guest that couldn't be with us today that has curated a fantastic resource that you're going to be able to download at the end of this episode. You'll see it in the show notes. So let me introduce to you Lindsay Babzak, who is the curator of our resource and is not present with us today, although we super wish she was here. Um, she is a K through four instructional coach in reading in Pennsylvania. It is her first year of coaching, but we know Michelle and Allison that she is phenomenal and completely meant for her role as an instructional coach. Um, her main focus is literacy, but you know what? She does all of her coaching with some of the things we're going to talk about today in mind. So. The resource that she's created for you is going to be extremely applicable for any of you working with colleagues and trying to coach them through overwhelm. I also have with me Michelle Boulin and Allison Peterson, and they're going to take a moment to introduce themselves. Michelle? Hello there. I am Michelle Boulin, and I am a social emotional learning coach in Wisconsin for grades six through 12. Um, in my past life, <laughs> I have been in education for about 25 years, um, mostly teaching uh, language arts in middle school. And this is my first year teaching or doing social emotional learning coaching. Very cool. Um, and Allison, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everybody. Love being here. Thank you for having us, Casey. So I'm Allison Peterson, and I um, am a K-8 instructional coach at an um, independent school in North Georgia. And I um, have been an educator for 15 years now, and eight of those I've been out of the classroom as a coach. And I've had the opportunity to launch three different coaching programs at three different independent schools, which has been an amazing blessing. So the one I'm at now, um, I'm launching a new program and it's really just me. That's what that means. When you launch a new program, you're by yourself. Um, but I'm also the founder of the new to coaching hashtag new to coaching Facebook group, where we have a community of over 5,000 amazing, um, new coaches or coaches who've been coaching for about zero to five years, connecting and um, sharing resources and learning together. So that's what I do. Awesome. And before we move on, we have some like catchphrases or nicknames in our work together. So the three of us and the Lindsay are in the Breakthrough Circle group, right, Allison? So tell a little bit about that and how we connect together. Yes. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> these ladies and I met in the new to coaching group and I invited them into my inner circle, which is my group coaching program called the breakthrough circle. And it's a monthly membership program that you can be a part of um, a smaller group of women who are coming together and really just doing deep work about coaching. We've been currently reading a book um, 
by John Maxwell that is diving into how to lead from the middle. And it's been really powerful. So it's just kind of a deeper dive than what we do in the new to coaching group. And so these ladies have been a part of my community and, um, both of them for almost a, definitely Casey for more than a year and Michelle for at least almost a year. So anyway, we've been working together and um, doing this deep thinking together. So when it comes to us sitting here talking to you on this podcast, it's because we've been having these thoughts and talking and we want to make sure that you have what we've been talking about too. Yeah. And the catchphrase that we have in both the new to coaching group and breakthrough circle is if change is the goal, progress is the win. I posted it in the new to coaching group again today as a reminder and an encouragement to our new coaches. Most of the time coaching feels like you can't see the progress as you're moving forward, especially as a brand new coach coming into a new school where there's not a lot of, um, like your program hasn't been established yet. It's very hard to see progress. And so we really come around to the celebration of the small steps towards change, big change that we um, want to help um, come to fruition as coaches. So that is something we're talking about all the time. And it absolutely relates to the topic we're talking about today, because when you're trying to help someone change, it's not something that happens overnight. And when they're overwhelmed, they're very unlikely to change until they can come through their overwhelm. So we want to make progress with teachers who are overwhelmed and we want to see that progress and ultimately that change, then we have to also see the small steps and the small ways that we can pour into them so that we can help them through overwhelm. Yeah, absolutely. And Michelle, we call you SEL Michelle. And why might we call you SEL Michelle? Well, I'm kind of a lone ranger in our group of instructional coaches. <laughs> um, I am the only SEL coach in our group of many, many um, instructional coaches in reading and math. Um, and there are a few Michelles in there. So I am SEL Michelle. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram and now TikTok for um, SEL in the middle. And um yeah, so I'm typically SEL Michelle. <laughs> yep. And you're the one that coaches us through all of our social emotional issues. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so I'm super grateful to have you guys um, on this show today. And if listeners, you didn't get a chance to catch the last episode, go check it out. It is episode eight titled how to coach people through overwhelm with empathy and practically we want to give you practical ways to do this and that's what we're focused on today you're going to have strategies after today's episode to equip yourself as you're kind of working through your own overwhelm which will equip you to coach others through overwhelm so with that said let's get to it So as always, I'm going to come to you with a problem that generally instructional leaders might be experiencing. And today's problem, just like in the last episode, is this problem of these obstacles to making change happen in your organization. Whether you are a teacher leader or you are an instructional leader, an administrator, you might be experiencing obstacles to making change happen. And a lot of the time, it's due to the individuals that you're working with remaining stagnant in a state of overwhelm. And that can lead to kind of like what Allison 
um, referred to earlier resistance or resentment or even restlessness. So ladies, let's briefly share about what we know about overwhelm and what causes it. Um, kind of take us back to a few things that we discussed in last week's episode. Uh, one of the things that really could sum it up is this meme that we recently found. It's hard to not have a visual to show you podcasters, but um, it is a meme of Luisa from Encanto. And if you've seen that movie, there's this part where she's carrying all of the donkeys on top of her. And so the meme says, I'm totally fine at the top. And then Luisa is labeled as teachers. And then each of the donkeys has a different overwhelm on top of her. So state testing is labeled, evaluations is labeled, PD and student behavior. And so it's, and of course her face is like in freak out mode because she is these, all these donkeys on top of her. And so this whole idea of um, overwhelm, as we've been talking about it, you know, that meme comes across your feed and you just kind of laugh at it because you understand, if you understand Louisa as a character, she sings a song called Surface Pressure in the in this particular movie. And she talks about just under the surface, what's really going on. And that she's trying to keep her perfect face up front, but that under the surface, she is literally feeling like all the pressures. And so it's so funny, but it really is a great visual to define what we have found is going on with teachers right now. They're feeling extremely overwhelmed. They're feeling like they have to keep it all together front facing and they feel like they've got all these things they're managing. Everything is different. We still can't get back to normal. And even though we all have a mental understanding of that, there will be no normal again, it's new normal. We're all truly like internally waiting for normal to come back and it's not coming mm -hmm. back. It's getting worse. And anyway, you just, the, the hole seems to be getting deeper and deeper. So teachers just continue to feel in this state of overwhelm and <clears throat> they really seem to allow themselves to stay stuck there. If, if we can't, if they can't get through that and, and we think it's just a season, but really it's been all school year and we've been overwhelmed and we've never really found this moment where they're not overwhelmed. So that's really what we kind of came around last episode is how we can really help them through this overwhelm and help, help them identify where it's coming from and, and really think about it and reflect on it. I feel like we need to put a meme next to it with Ross from Friends screaming, pivot! <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's new. We just need to change now. We just need to pivot. <laughs> yes, that's so awesome. Yeah. Yes, I, and there have been many visual images of teachers carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders and it, you know, and those are coming across feeds and almost feeding the overwhelm in a way. And so, um, as, as coaches and as, you know, instructional leaders who work with teachers, we want them to be able to be their best and we, we don't want them to feel stuck in overwhelm. Um, and so I think that's what we're coming around today is how do we help them with that? Yeah. And um, Michelle, last time in our last episode, one of the things that we really anchored to was this idea of self-awareness. Tell us about what part that plays in coaching others through overwhelm. Right. So part of self-awareness is really understanding who you are, where you come from, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses, 
and being able to make adjustments, pivoting, if you will, and, and addressing those, um, those things that make you who you are and, and helping you through this overwhelm. And so, you know, today we're going to learn a lot from Allison here on the Enneagram and how to actually pivot. Well, one of the things that as you guys were talking comes to mind is like, how do you get out of overwhelm when you're constantly in it is like literally like find some quiet space where you can have thinking time, like push all of the things aside and allow yourself to have that time. And that, that often is what is the source of everything is that your overwhelm is not just happening at school. You're also going home and taking care of three kids and making dinner and your husband needs this help. And then you have to take your kids to baseball. Like it doesn't stop. So when are you finding time for yourself to be self-reflective, whether that's, you know, the teacher who is overwhelmed, she just can't find that moment or you as the coach are feeling overwhelmed or you're keep, you're keep running into this one who's overwhelmed and you don't know how to help her. It really takes a minute of, of really choosing to be self-reflective and find some quiet thinking space and do some journaling, do some writing, do read something and allow it to come into your mind. So that's kind of one of the first things that sticks with me because when I have started that work, um, one of the places that I kind of went to was learning about the Enneagram. So um, I, I've actually did a lot of podcast learning about the Enneagram first and even Instagram learning. There are some amazing Instagram accounts that we can link in the show notes so that you can go just quickly learn some of these basics. Um, but the book that has helped me the most just to get an idea of what's going on in the Enneagram and that would be a great place to start for some self-reflection is the book, The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron. Yeah, um, and great book. Yes. And it's something that we've read together in the breakthrough circle, because this is deep work that we've done together, um, as a group. And so as we, as we get into this a little bit more, you probably need to understand the Enneagram a little, if you've never heard of it, or you don't know anything about it, but it's a great place to start some self-reflection of identifying where you're getting overwhelmed from, why it's there and how you can start to combat it. So, um, I'm going to walk you through a quick overview of what we're doing with, um, what is happening with the Enneagram and the nine numbers that are associated with them and kind of how that works. And it's a little complicated again, without a visual. So we will surely include that in this, in the show notes for you, if you want to go take a look. So the Enneagram is a, a kind of, um, an ancient, <laughs> um, personality typing system that has come back and become kind of like a modern piece. And so this book really gives a great primer to it. Again, it's called The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron. So um, you have nine numbers on a circle and they are, they each represent a different personality type basically. But one of the things that is important to know about the Enneagram is that it's not the typical personality type test because not everybody, um, uh, well, so the personality types, when you hear them, you might think that you are one of these numbers, but you need to dig deeper really to find out your number. So the first, um, the type number one is known as the perfectionist. They're usually ethical, dedicated, reliable, and are motivated by the desire to live 
right and and improve the world and so enneagram ones are usually that kind of perfectionist title enneagram twos which we have me and michelle are twos in this group um are the helpers they're warm caring and giving and they're motivated by the need to be loved and needed and um also are very self-sacrificing um, Enneagram threes are known as the performer. They're success oriented, image conscious, and wired for productivity. They're motivated by a need to be or appear to be successful and avoid failure. Um, your type fours, which I hear are the rarest types, are the romantics. They're creative, they're sensitive, and they're usually motivated by a need to feel understood. Um, your type fives are your investigators. They're very analytical, detached, sometimes private, and um, they really get a lot of energy from knowledge. So they love to learn in deep places. And then um, type sixes are known as the loyalists. They're committed, practical, and witty, um, but they're usually worst case scenario thinkers. So they're always gonna be bringing up the thing that could happen that might happen. Oh my goodness, what if this happens? Um, your type sevens are the enthusiasts. They're fun and spontaneous and adventurous, but they're motivated by this need to kind of be free and happy and avoid, um, avoid pain at all costs. Your type eights are the challengers. They're commanding, intense, they're confrontational, and they're very comfortable with confrontation. Uh, and they're motivated by a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak and vulnerable. And then your type nines are your peacemakers. They're pleasant, laid back, and accommodating. And they're motivated by a need to keep the peace at most times. So that's a quick overview of um, these numbers, which again, it is a much deeper dive. But once you start to take that time to self-reflect, read something that might provoke some thinking for you and um, give you some opportunities to think on this, these numbers will start to give clarity to your personality, your why and why you're frustrated with things and why you're overwhelmed with things. So ladies, you jump in on some of that that I just outlined for us. Like one of the things we talked about earlier in this episode and in the last is that you have to be able to be self-aware and self-reflective before you can coach anyone else through overwhelm. Because if you have not dealt with your own overwhelm and you don't know how to address your own overwhelm, there's no way for you ever to approach that with someone else. So I am a three, like blatantly is just like, if, if I could put a poster up of like, what could be your Enneagram? It would just be like a massive three on the poster. That's, that's all there would be there. Maybe like a two just here and there. But knowing that I have to decide what are, if, if I know that I am an achiever, like I am an Enneagram three, then how does that help me to self-reflect and how does that help me to realize how I do approach overwhelm and how I deal with it? Because I think like recognizing it and de dealing with it are two different things. I would be really curious to know from your perspectives, how has this played out? Like, could you give an, us an example of how this has played out in your own life when you've been overwhelmed? Like, how did you recognize it? And then how did you address it knowing your Enneagram? So I'm actually, I'm, I'm still really struggling between if I'm a two or a three, I'm That's so both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so both, but 
a really strong three trait for me is that when I'm in stress, like a stressed three shuts right down. Like I will just be, I'll do nothing right? When I'm, when I'm just overstressed in a three and I literally on weekends will lay on my couch for two straight days and do nothing. And I just said on Monday after last weekend laying on my couch and doing nothing (laughs) and my house looks like it exploded that like, I really need to find a happy medium of this. (laughs) Like I should allow myself all of Saturday morning to just lay on the couch and do nothing. But then Saturday afternoon, I've got to give myself at least two hours of doing something so that I feel like I did something. And then maybe lay around on Sunday for a bit and then do something productive on Sunday so that I don't get up on Monday and feel like I wasted the whole weekend again. (laughs) It's actually a terrible cycle. And I know that Casey... Casey's going to be like, I'm shaking her head. Like I acknowledge these things about myself now because I know these things about myself now. So I feel like the little baby steps are happening. (laughs) Right. Well, it's a vicious cycle for a three, because when you land in that overwhelmed spot and you end up on your couch and then you don't get anything done over the weekend on Monday, you're going to beat yourself up for not being productive enough all weekend. And it like is a real real overwhelm again. Like it just goes right back into overwhelm for that three. Who's like, I didn't get anything done. Yeah. I'm so productive at school all week, but by the time I get to Saturday at home, I've done nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally, but at least I know this about myself now. Yeah. Right. Well, and you're, and you have to start combating it. Like to Casey's point, like identify and then catch yourself. Like it's so about catching yourself because my, my personal example is that as a two, um, the issue with the twos in in a positive and a negative way is that they help everybody all the time. They help so much that they don't take help. They do it all for everyone else. And so of course they come to a state of overwhelm. I come to a state of overwhelm when I have taken on all of the responsibilities for my household because that's what I do. And then I find myself very frustrated. Like the moment that I snap at my children is when I've taken on too much of my own and I am mad that no one's helping me. Isn't that like this crazy irony? Why aren't you helping me? Yeah. <laughs> and it's that moment when I catch myself when I'm like, oh girl, you have done this to yourself. Mm-hmm. You have not delegated. You have not let anybody else have anything. You are wearing it all on your own shoulders, Miss Self-Sacrificial. And now you're angry and you're yelling like, okay, we could do better. We can yeah. do a lot better. So it's that moment where I am having to catch myself. And I often have to catch myself now at this point of self-awareness from offering to do anything. Like now that I've become more self-aware at school, when someone asks me to do something, my immediate response is, don't worry, I'll help you. I'll be there to, and I have to catch myself and say, maybe we should schedule something for next week. Like I have to say something different other than let me help you with that. Or I'll take that for you, or I'll get it. Like, because that, those, that means I've just piled on to myself more and more. And I will know, I know I won't get to it all and I'll feel overwhelmed. So it's so much about Honestly, that was such an aha moment for me when I started diving into the Enneagram. So, but it's, this is a deep dive. When you do the Enneagram, it starts with those core numbers. 
but it goes a whole lot deeper than that because each number has a place where it goes to in stress and a place that it goes to in security. So it actually goes to a different number. And so sometimes when you're in stress, you take on a different personality and that comes out. And so once you start to really dive in here and understand how the Enneagram works, you also get to see like yourself going to place of stress or going to place of, um, of security. Those are the two words they use for those numbers. And then you start realizing, okay, if I'm going to not be stressed right here, what, what are the personality traits or what are the things that I do that bring me to my place of security in, in that other number? Right. And, and that, those, that permissions, those permissions that you have to give yourself, like you have to give yourself permission to say no. And I'm having so many of those two qualities in myself. I have to give myself permission to say no to things all the time. And thankfully I have a wonderful coworker across the hall who is also a two. And she always, she's like, Michelle, just say no. (laughs) I'm going to say it for you. Michelle says no. (laughs) Right. It's very hard. It's very hard, but it's, it's enlightening to, to come to some conclusion around it and see the other piece that's really enlightening as this, as you're working on this self-reflection piece personally is that these numbers each have a core motivation. And so the reason that a two is a helper is because she wants to be loved and that's her core motivation. And so like she wants everyone to love her for what she does to help. And so you, you also see like why you're doing things, not, not just the things and actions that you're doing, but that am I, am I really trying to earn love right now by saying yes? And you can start to really self-reflect deeply on like, wait, am I trying to earn somebody's love right now or not? Like, and, yeah. and those things can, if you can work through those things personally yourself, can you imagine what you might be able to do if you were sitting across from a teacher, what kind of questions you could ask her to see where that's coming from? Like yeah. it's deeper than, all her things on her to-do list. It's way deeper. It's that she's actually trying to earn someone's love or she's trying to, you know, these different, these, each of these core values kind of, she's trying to avoid pain. She's trying to um, gain knowledge and be knowledgeable. So these different numbers each have that core motivation. And when you start coaching people at the level of core motivation, you, you get to real change. And so that's where the Enneagram has opened up a whole new world for me personally, and then how I use it in my coaching. I almost feel like just, just getting to understanding your Enneagram core, your core number, just knowing that releases some overwhelm. It's like, oh, I know this about myself. And because I know that then it just releases some of the overwhelm because you've gotten to that root issue. It's just so it's crazy how it works, but it's almost like you don't, when you don't realize why you're overwhelmed, there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. So just knowing about it is like, ah, it's a relief to know that I am this way. And this is what's causing this because then at least I recognize it and I can at least start to try to do something about it. Yes. I mean, that just, it opens up a whole new world. Mm-hmm. Where did I read? And Allison, you might remember this, but because I, I think it was something, somebody said that they were complaining that the Enneagram like might kind of put you in a box, but actually 
where did you, you're shaking your head. So it was like, but it really like releases you from, you're already in that box, but knowing all of this kind of like releases you from that box because you can change those things about you that, that you don't like. Yes. That you're stuck in. Yes. That, I mean, that's it right there. So the Enneagram, this is only the first of three books that Suzanne Stable has um, partnered with. So this first one is Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stable. And then the other two books are Suzanne Stable's Deeper Dive. And the whole idea of the Enneagram is actually that you would be able to change your, not your personality, but change your behaviors so that you can really transform internally and become more whole. Like, I think the last book is titled, um, the journey to wholeness. That's what it's called. So like you, you, you can first identify you're in the box and then you realize, wait, you're just one. That's just one sliver of who you could be if you understood all the pieces. And so that becomes really powerful because it is about embracing yourself and then changing what you don't like about it. And you can almost take traits from the other numbers to bring yourself more center rather than just being one number. It's all about self-awareness and just really being the best person that you can be. Let's say that our listeners have done this work. Like they know their Enneagram, they reflect regularly on their Enneagram, especially in seasons of overwhelm. How then do you know when you're ready to coach someone else through overwhelm? Good question. And you don't, I don't believe you have to have come through the whole journey to be ready to coach someone through overwhelm. I don't actually believe that about coaching in general, (laughs) right? Because we believe that you can coach anybody. Honestly, you don't have to have any expertise on on them, right? So you can come in to a coaching partnership, equal player and pour into them. Even if you're, if you don't have knowledge that they don't have, but when you have just a slight advantage on them in that you have done some of the work first, you have started by understanding your number. You have read a little bit more about it. You've come to a little bit of self-awareness. You're just three steps ahead of them. And to me, that's what coaching is. It's turning around and saying, oh my goodness, I learned this amazing thing. I, it helped me so much. I think it could help you. Do you want me to teach it to you? Or can I show you? So Michelle, I know you've been spreading the love. So tell us how you've been tell, telling everybody about Enneagram and how they've been embracing it. Yeah, we've just in exactly that way. I'm just like, you guys listen to this, (laughs) you know, we, um, I just like, this is kind of what I've learned and, you know, we just have a conversation about it and, and it's mostly at lunch (laughs) with our little lunch group. And, um, you know, we just sort of talk back and forth about it and it's just been really interesting, um, conversations back and forth. And, um, people are just fascinated by it. Yeah. yeah. And it you sparked know. them to go and look, right? Didn't they go take the test? And then yeah, you know, they've it. taken that, that test. And I've, I've, t- I've told them, I'm like, now, you know, the test is kind of really general. And then I give them questions to ponder. 
you know, and I'm like, now think about this, you know, now look at these things that when you, when, if you are in fact, this number, do you act this way when you're stressed out? You know, do you act this way when you're, you know, not stressed out, you know, so this, you know, would be kind of true for you. So if that's not it, then maybe you're not this number, you know, and I, and I give them different things to ponder. And then we talk about it some more and, and, you know, don't expect that once you, you know, take the test that you, you found your number, because that's not, we found that to not be necessarily true. You know, it takes a little while. Right. And the main reason for that is because it's really about core motivation and there's really, it's very hard to ask a survey question. That's going to get to the core thing that motivates you um, really very deeply and internally that you might not even be able to name yet. So that just doesn't quite come across on these tests, the way that the reflective reading work will get you there. Yeah. Yeah. But we've had a lot of really fun conversations. It's so great. Yeah. It, awesome. it takes someone questioning you, I feel like, to prompt your thinking in this direction or this one that will help you nail or get closer to your core number. Right. So um, I'm doing a book study right now in the Collaborative Leaders and Culture Changers group on Facebook. And the title of the book is Collaborative Leadership Six Influences That Matter Most. And it's written by Peter DeWitt. And in his book, he has several sections where he encourages the reader to find ways to, to meet them where they are, to model for them, and then to motivate them. And I feel like this is a great opportunity to meet people where they are, to model for them, and then motivate them. Because when you know your own Enneagram number, you can then start to meet people where they are with those questions. And, and help them to get to know themselves. So Michelle, just like you were saying, just questioning that, that casual conversation that you're having at lunch, people like to talk about themselves, you know, and they want to get to know themselves on a deeper level, even if they're not really excited about what they're going to find out, you know, because that can be hard. And it's something that you have to positively address. And you actually really need people to coach you through that when you're realizing these tough things about yourself, like how you react in certain situations, but it's also a great opportunity to model. So if as the, the three, the achiever, I absolutely have the tendency to want to overperform and come across as very knowledgeable. Well, if I'm showing other people that I've recognized that about myself, and I can also say, I don't love that about myself. So here's how I work to combat it a great modeling opportunity um, because they need to know how to be self-reflective and not everyone can naturally self-reflect. So we really have to model that for others and then motivate them again through that coaching conversation. I started off the conversation like kind of subliminally by posting a bunch of really funny memes about um, Enneagram types in our copy room. And I put a bunch of little sticker dots out and I'm like, which type or which, which of these memes apply to you? And, and the one that has, I think the most stickers on it right now is, um, one of those, uh, those games that has like the pennies that fall off of the, the slidey thing towards you. And it, it's something about like, Every time I think about something that gives me anxiety and it's like all these pennies that are falling off at you and it has like a, just a a plethora of stickers on it. So apparently there's a lot of anxious people in our building (laughs) and, um, 
and it was just fun, you know, but it was just try to get people thinking. I love that. I, I think you have to go in casual and fun to start that conversation with whoever you're going to start it with. You know, you don't, you don't really start by asking somebody to do deep work with you because they're going to go running. But if you go with memes and something funny um, or, um, you know, something easy to process and look at that can be kind of appealing, those, those are good entry points for this discussion. And, um, and that idea of anxiety is something we, we really anchored to in the last podcast too, just where the anxiety has just, just gone through the roof around everything we have going on in our lives right now. So it's real. And, and I, I just don't know if everyone has the equipping to know how to handle their anxiety and, and they would tell you that they're anxious and they have anxiety and they're worried, but they don't really know what to do about it. And so I think that's where a tool like the Enneagram can really help. I feel like this is a fantastic place to come to a close. And what I really want to know, ladies, is what you hope the listener has gained from this episode today. I hope that they have gained the motivation to go and learn about their own Enneagram type so that they can learn how to get themselves through overwhelm and then hopefully help to get their own teachers out of it as well. I'm not sure I could say it any better, Michelle. (laughs) Yeah, we we just hope that we've inspired you to realize that like you have a tool out there that could really help you personally and it could help you in your coaching or in the work that you do as an instructional leader. Um, And I know that if you're listening to this podcast that you wanna grow and you want to do that work. And so I just hope that we've given you one little key that might unlock a huge door for you in your ability to coach teachers through overwhelm um, and in your ability to really feel like you have a handle on your work yourself, because those are the two pieces that this will unlock for you. It's very powerful. It's yeah. very spiritual, to be honest. So you're going to get to a spiritual level with this, whether you want to or not. And we'll give you a fair warning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, speaking of tools, our great friend, Lindsay Babzak has created again, a, some tools for you to use. These will be, uh, located in the show notes. And I also will put all of this information on my website, catchingupwithkc.com. So you can go there to check that out as well. You can go to the new to coaching group on Facebook. You can go to the collaborative leaders and culture changers, Facebook group. You can go to SEL Michelle's Facebook group. You do have a Facebook page or group on. I have both SEL in the middle, Facebook page and Facebook group. Yeah. So there are so many places for you, our listeners to connect with us. And we want you to reach out and connect with us because we know that change doesn't happen without support around you. And we want to be that support with you. So we are so excited that you joined us. Ladies, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Let us know what was most useful for you here today. Okay, ladies, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Catching Up with Casey podcast. Do me three simple favors. First, be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel and leave a comment to help me create content that is most useful for you as an instructional leader. Second, head over to my website, catchingupwithkc.com and register as a member so you can get access to this content and so much more. 
And finally, share this with someone that is eager to empower educators who are inspired by a culture of collaboration.